Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Liberty and the Law, the podcast series that examines the critical elements of a strong legal defense in criminal cases. Join respected attorney James Dore for this lively discussion on the rights of criminal defendants and the important role defense attorneys play in our legal system. Well, Attorney James Dore, we, we put you on the spot there with that open. We, we say it's always going to be a lively discussion. You haven't missed yet, but uh, I appreciate you taking the time to join me, Jim Mitchell, each month here to talk about things. And uh, I think lively discussion is what we've got lined up. We're going to take a look at a central part of the uh, judicial system. We're going to talk about juries today, and we haven't really visited this in a while. So how are you, and, and uh, what are we going to talk about? Well, I'm doing well today. I'm actually alive, so I can contribute at least that part to our discussion, and we can make it as lively as we can We can make it. Um, jury trials are interesting, so I, I'm ready to jump in on this one. Well, you know, I, and I, you know, when we started planning this one, we kind of looked at a lot of the headlines, a lot of major cases these days, and um, you know, the specifics of each aren't necessarily important to us, but just the process that comes out of it. And one of the things that jumped out at me is um, some of these major cases – um, they say, okay, the jury selection is going to begin. It could take, you know, three days, five days, a week or more. What, what, what is in the process that sometimes requires it to take multiple days to get a jury seated? Well, one of the things with, with, that's important about jury trials is that, to know that that the, the citizen juror sits in, instead of a judge. So, and you know, with with judges, that selection is done ahead of time. You know, you, the judge goes through law school. His private practice or practices as a prosecutor, you know, years of legal experience before making that jump into whatever process they get made a judge. So that's that's years of in the making. In this case, we're trying to draw 12 judges from the citizens at large uh, to decide the guilt or innocence of a case. So there's a lot of questions that to go into uh, deciding whether or not a juror can be fair and impartial and, um, have the wherewithal to sit through a jury trial and render a decision. So there's many, many aspects that go into those, uh, that, that process of deciding who makes a fit juror or not. Um, but yeah, it, it can be several, several questions that goes into that. Um, you know, a judge can take control of the questioning and, you know, the prosecutor and defense attorney can submit questions uh, or the, the defense attorney and the prosecutor can ask the questions themselves, but ultimately the questions are designed to see who can be a fair juror and a capable juror. And that's a great perspective and very interesting to put it that way. And, you know, the other thing I noticed in this process recently is there's, in, in some cases anyway, there are alternate jurors. There are the uh, 12 who may be seated, but then another four or six. Is that common? Is that just in the bigger cases? Um, how, how frequently do you see alternate jurors selected? I, you see alternate jurors in just about every jury trial, um, even ones mm-hmm. that are expected to get done in, in, in say, a day. Uh, the judge will appoint the, – the, 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 um, there will be a selection of one or two alternates in that case, just in case. I've okay. seen where – We've uh, taken a break for lunch, and a juror uh, couldn't make it back. There's illness or car accidents hmm. and things like that. So there will be an alternate okay. jury or jurors uh, selected until the, until they get to deliberation, and then those those alternates are usually excused at that point. So uh, yeah, but I think that's it's a it's a um, it's a safe thing to do just for that reason. You don't know which juror is going to drop out potentially uh, during a long trial. You'll need more jurors just because. 
that uh, um, you know that 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 presents itself as more of a problem over the length of a long trial, especially with these COVID times too. You don't know when a jury is sure. going to be out. I think it would be we'd be trending towards selecting more jurors rather than less, given um, what we're going through right now. Well, as we looked at some of these cases, one of the things that jumped out at me that I really want to focus on today are these trials in which uh, there may be multiple charges against a defendant. Um, frequently, um, you know, in a, in a relatively small trial, they're charged with a crime, and that that's what the jury is deciding on. But uh, some of these bigger cases, there may be multiple charges at one time, and I want to talk about that process. Um, first of all, it seemed in, in at least in one recent case, after the trial had started, uh, one or more of the charges were actually dropped at that point. Um, is, is that an uncommon situation, and does that impact the jury anyway if they see and hear and are informed that something that the case started with is no longer part of it? It's probably not uncommon, but... Um... I certainly would impact a juror. You know, keep in mind that a prosecutor makes an opening statement saying, we will present the following evidence, right? The following witnesses will, be, will take the stand here, and you will, you will hear the following evidence that will prove the following charges. And they list the charges for the jury. And at any given point, you know, they, if the jury isn't satisfied that those charges have been proven beyond a reasonable doubt, the obvious thing is they'll find not guilty on that, but... They can influence on some other charges that may have more evidence of guilt. So in, in charging discretion, you know, prosecutors need to think about that. You, know, you, you, you generally want to bring your strongest cases. Uh, some prosecutors want to charge everything they possibly can, can charge. And that may be a mistake to jurors who, who see that, and, they, and it, it could reflect poorly on the prosecutor's credibility. So charging discretion uh, is one of the factors that goes into that. Um, and also, when the judge, the judge can step in, with, we're talking about maybe the Rittenhouse factor, with one of the gun charges, I think, was dismissed by the judge. Well, the judge did a simple reading of the, of the, of the law, and he, he let the trial go on. He let the prosecutors try to prove their case. And before it went to the jury, I think that judge decided, okay, that the evidence doesn't support you know, a finding under this law, right? It fits on its face. But also, I think he did, he, the judge was trying to give a clean uh, list of charges to the jury, and get bogged down on some weapons charge when they're looking at a, a much more serious charges, you know, a, 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 before that. So the judge may have been trying to influence that too and get, get a clean verdict mm -hmm. out of that. Not, not, you know, get uh, you know, down, caught up in the weeds on some kind of gun charge. And, and that's really where it gets interesting to me. If, if, um, and, and I want to talk about it from both the prosecutor side and then what you would do as a defense attorney but when there are multiple charges as a jurist am i going to sort of hear an overall case and then have to go back and go through each of those charges or or does that trial sort of evolve um in a in a uh, charge by charge basis where the prosecutor will try and you know prove this one and then move on to the next one and then on to the next one or is it more just sort of a here's all of the evidence and now go go sort it out when you're done Again, some of that, Jim, can come down to charging discretion. Some of that can be a, a ruling from the judge who would decide that a trial should be bifurcated um, to avoid uh, prejudicing the jury on one charge. They would try a separate charge for trial. Um, mm. I've had that where there was a DUI on a scene in one part, and then later on um, you know, at the jail there was a separate charge involving obstruction of justice. Well, I was able to bifurcate that because – 
I didn't want the jury to be influenced by the alcohol in the one case. Uh, and then the other case, you know, it was just, it, it, it became difficult to defend both charges at once. So I was able to bifurcate that. So again, charging discretion, if the prosecutor had their, their way, they would have charged them both and, and had them both pending at the same trial. I was able to split those off, got a, a not guilty on a DUI, and there was a guilty on the obstruction of justice charge. But my main goal was not to have that obstruction of justice charge carry over and taint the DUI prosecution. prosecution. I wanted it not guilty on that one because I think the facts were in our favor on that one. Uh, we're, we're talking with Attorney James Dore today, um, sharing his thoughts about jury trials uh, as we kick off a new year here on Liberty and the Law. And um, it, it's it's interesting that we now look at this podcast series uh, in in years uh, as opposed to just months. We have been doing this for a number of years with James, and um, a lot of these great conversations are available to you at LavelleLaw.com. Um, everything is is archived there, and you can go back and listen to conversations about specific cases or about broad topics about the process itself and, and his work as well. So um, visit uh, James at LavelleLaw.com and get more information. And I'm interested to hear what you just said about uh, splitting those two charges. Again, some of these major cases might involve eight or ten charges of, of different um, severity. Uh, would it be logical for a defense attorney to say, all right, we're going to focus on the, on the most severe ones, uh, we're going to really put our effort there, and, and I wouldn't say ignore the others, but uh, or, or you have to attack each one, you know, on, on equal footing, um, and, and you know, pursue all of them as if they were uh, one and the same. All right, Jim. I think you just summarized what the, what the question the defense attorney has to ask himself in preparing a case. You know, how do I handle this? What's you know, my philosophy. I'm looking for for you know the, the, the to to tell the complete story to the to the jury. Right, but I'm looking for my angle, my my my, you know, as I would say, the, the narrative on this. I'm trying to, mm-hmm. to to frame my story in a certain way, right? So the facts are instead of what the prosecutor is saying, here's the testimony you're going to hear, and therefore this defendant's guilty of this charge. I'm trying to frame those issues, you know, those facts in a separate way, right? And I'm trying to add other facts that the prosecutor doesn't know, such as the defendant can't testify, so I can add evidence that the prosecutor doesn't have access to. So one nice thing about the defense attorney, we're in kind of a unique position. We get access to all the facts um, and, and can decide, it, you know, the best answer for your question, Jim, is how, what charges do I defend? Do I defend all of them? Do I defend the most serious? That's always a question going into some of these juries. And, and frankly, that's one of the reasons a prosecutor would add on simple, uh, add on different you know, additional charges is because they can make the defense attorney spin their wheels and prepare for something else, too. So. There, there's there's a little bit of gamesmanship involved in those decisions, Jim. And and is it likely when there are multiple charges like that for a jury to come back with guilty on some and, and not guilty on others? Is that uh, uh, do you see that often in in these type of instances? It's hard to say likely on that on that uh, the, mm-hmm. the jury question, but I think it, it's certainly common to have a jury come back with split verdicts on, on the charges. So yeah, that, that would be common to see. And, again, that, that goes right back to your last question, Jim. Uh, from prosecutor's standpoint, what charges do they file? From defense standpoint, you know, how do I defend all these charges? What, what is going to be our, our, our tactic, our, our, our strategy to defend this? So let's, let's talk um, process and procedure here a little bit. Um, I, and I don't know the outcome of this one, but another recent case, um, while it was going on, there was indication that uh, 
the jury may have you know, reached consensus on several charges but were hung on others. Now, there's a split verdict we just talked about, guilty on some, not guilty on others. But uh, let's say there's six charges, and on four of them they have a consensus, guilty or not guilty. But on the other two, they, they cannot reach a consensus. Does that kind of blow the whole trial up, or does that just derail those particular charges and, and they have to be retried, or does the whole thing start over? <laughs> wow, is that a question, Jim? But I'll tell you, if there's, if there's a, a, a hung jury, generally that will be declared a mistrial. Usually if there's a hung mm-hmm. jury, the judge will demand they go back into the jury room and try to come up with a decision. If after a certain amount of time they are incapable, then a hung jury will be declared, a mistrial will be declared, and those charges can be retried. Double jeopardy does not attach. Now, if you get a situation where there's other charges where there's been a finding of guilty, okay, mm-hmm. that presents a different circumstance for the, for the prosecutor. They can either accept that and get rid of the, the, the charges that stand, um, in some jurisdictions, the one that they got a guilty on, can, that verdict will stand, and they, they're free to retry on the, uh, the charges where there has not been a verdict achieved, uh, rendered by the, the jury, where there's not been a, a unanimous verdict. Um, that's a complex question, but it definitely points out that there's issues involved. Whenever there's a jury verdict, you want to pull the jury, you want to find out which numbers went which way, so you can maybe make that decision in the future. Prosecutors going to want to decide if they, can, they should retry the charges, then um, a defense attorney is going to want to look at that and say, hey, if, if it went down 11 of uh, not guilty of one guilty, he'd feel pretty good about that case, right? And the mm-hmm, prosecutor mm-hmm. Should, should not feel good, but the vice versa. If you got one holdout and the rest are saying guilty, well, that's something you're looking at as, as a defense attorney thinking, hmm, the next, next trial, what are we going to do differently, if anything, we, we can do? Or does that make a difference on whatever offer the prosecutor had on the table? Does that, does that make the, the offer a little more tempting? Great. Well, um, boy, we've got the year off to a great start here with you, James Dorr. Thanks very much for the insight on juries and how they behave and uh, how that impacts you and your work as uh, a defense attorney. And, again, we can share information at LavelleLaw.com. You can get phone numbers, email address there to reach out to James and uh, get more of your questions answered. We'll look forward to a, a good year of conversation ahead here on Liberty and the Law. We thank uh, James for being with us. We thank uh, all of you for listening. And certainly uh, look forward to some more conversations um, that keep you engaged, keep you informed here on Liberty and the Law.